What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty Group the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you. Hi, this is Linda Pearl, and you're listening to TV Confidential. And Robert, to us a reminder that the next edition of TV Confidential will premiere next week on this station at the usual time. Our guests will include actress, author, and civil rights activist Donzele Abernathy, star of Any Day Now and Commander-in-Chief and the author of Partners in History, Martin Luther King, Ralph David Abernathy, and the Civil Rights Movement. We hope you'll join us for that. In the meantime, we will close out this week's program by playing more of our conversation with Jeffrey Mark about the music of Ella Fitzgerald. Jeff is the host of Jeffrey Mark Plays Ella Fitzgerald, a brand new hour-long radio program featuring the music of Ella Fitzgerald that premieres this weekend on Metro Media Radio. Net. Jeffrey Mark, also the author of Ella, a biography of the legendary Ella Fitzgerald, an excellent book that also includes a two-disc accompanying CD collection featuring rarely heard tracks of Ella Fitzgerald, all personally selected by Jeffrey Mark himself. As we pick up the conversation, Jeff is about to provide the backstory of one of my favorite tracks on the collection. Another track that jumps out for me. For lack of a better word, it's a quirky little number called Miss Otis Regrets. It's on the in, oh, yeah. it's on the in studio CD and it's moving and yet when you listen to the lyrics, it's very haunting. What's the story of that? Well, when Norman Grant started Verve Records, his first big idea for Ella is that he wanted her to be the go-to person for the greatest American songs of the time. Ella had always complained that she wasn't getting great songs to sing at DECA. So he came up with this idea of a series of song books of one composer, two LPs, just their best songs. And the first one he chose was Cole Porter. And he chose Buddy Bregman to do the arrangements. Now, Buddy's uncle was Julie Stein, who wrote Gentlemen Prefer Blondes and Gypsy and Funny Girl. And because of who his uncle was, Buddy got the job. And his arrangements are fine. They aren't the best Ella worked with, and more often than not, in later years, she abandoned his things for better things. But my favorite cut from the entire collection is Miss Otis Regrets, and it's just voice and piano. My friend Paul Smith plays the piano, and it's just a duet of voice and piano. And it's going to sound like I'm trashing Buddy. Now let me praise Buddy. Ella didn't have the education to completely understand Cole Porter's lyrics. She didn't know about butlers. She didn't know about the sophisticated French words that he would use, uh, references to society people he would use in his very sophisticated, sometimes risque lyrics. Mm-hmm. Miss Ellis regrets that the song has its own history. Mr. Porter, every day, woke up, 
had his butler bring him in his silver pot coffee and his very expensive handmade cigarettes, and he would sit at the piano and write a song every day just to stay in practice. Miss Otis Regrets was one of those songs. It wasn't for a show originally. It wasn't for a movie originally, although they have been used for these things. It was just, good morning world, let me write a song. And the idea of a butler answering the door or the telephone, use your imagination, and saying that his mistress isn't available for lunch because she was cheated on, killed her lover, and has been hung is not what I would choose for a love song. No, it, it, it's not. But it's it's remarkable because if you lose yourself in the piano arrangement, which which I did the first time I listened to it, it's a beautiful arrangement. And from under her velvet gown She drew a gun and shot her lover down Madam Miss Otis Regrets She's unable to love. And then, like, the second or third time I heard the song, it's like, wow, the story that accompanies this does not accompany, doesn't seem to accompany the music, if that makes sense. But that's the brilliance of the song, is that the music and lyrics don't go together, and yet, somehow brilliantly, they do. Yeah. That's the genius of Cole Porter. That was the genius of Paul Smith, exactly how he played this song, because they didn't write an arrangement. This, mm. That was one thing they did spontaneously in mm. the studio. Without, It was just them working together, not, not unlike the Ella and Louie cuts. It is a song that no one would have known about except for Ella having recorded it. It was not a standard until she recorded it and it became one. So uh, I'm not surprised you reacted this way. That's exactly why I included it on this CD set. Just one more comment slash observation about the CD set. I think it's very cool, Jeffrey, that in putting both of these things together, you end each of them with an iconic Ella number. In the case of the in-studio disc, disc one, you end it with a Tisket and Tasket, which is one of the songs for which she is Still known, always will be known. Oh, why was I so careless with that basket of mine? That itty-bitty basket was a joy of mine. And in the case of the In Concert CD, you end it with Mac the Knife morphing into How High the Moon, which is from Ella's performance in Berlin. Well, it's just going to task it. How can you not include that? Is it a song I listen to every day? No. But it's the song that made Ella famous. And uh, she didn't often sing it live past the 1950s. She was bored with it. She'd been singing it since the late 1930s. And it is written for a little girl. But even with me touring the country, you'd be surprised. I'm asked for it constantly, so much so, mm-hmm. I've had to add it into my act. Because people are like, please, I'm like, you really, you want to hear a middle-aged guy singing a disco to task? Yes. <laughs> All right. We've got to make the audiences happy. And I think the story of Mac the Knife and How High the Moon fascinates me as a person, and I hope it does our friends who are listening. Ella was touring in Europe and opening 
in front of 10,000 people in West Berlin, back when Berlin was a bifurcated city because of the Berlin Wall and all that stuff. And the song itself has this very long history, which I'll try to condense into 30 seconds. In Germany, it had been a song in a musical about a slasher, sung very slowly and lugubriously. The people who wrote it and wrote the libretto of the musical were all Jewish. They fled Nazi Germany, came to New York, and opened the show in English, with English lyrics by Kurt Weill. And it was a big hit, and it was still a song, and it was still sung the same way, I think, by the same person. Mm -hmm. Two decades go by. And for whatever reasons, Bobby Darren decides to record it as a swinging up tempo number. And it hits number one. Louis Armstrong, who we were just talking about, hears it and decides to do a cover version of it for his next album. Because he had a big hit with Blueberry Hill, he thought, oh, I'll, I'll keep re-recording rock and roll things and see how I do with it. Well, he had a number one hit with it. Well, Ella is hardly aware of this. She's in Europe touring. And Norman comes backstage right before the show and says, Ella, I want you to sing this song. And she says, Norman, no. <laughs> I don't like it. I don't understand it. I don't know the lyrics. And they begin to argue, which they did often. They fought over music. Loved each other as people, but fought over the music. Paul Smith, who we've already talked about, was there. And the story, the way Paul told it to me was, he said, hey, Ella, you know what? I'll do a little vamp. Sing what you want. Sing a chorus or two of it. Make Norman happy. We'll go on. This is one little song in a big concert we're doing. They kept it towards the end of the concert. Ella introduces it by saying, they'd never heard a girl sing it. No female had recorded it yet. And that she didn't know if she knew the lyrics or not. She was being honest. She was always honest with her audiences. And she gets through two or three choruses of the song, and not only did she forget the lyrics, I think she forgot what country she was in. <laughs> On her feet, she makes up brand new lyrics that not only fit the meter of the song, but they rhyme exactly where they should rhyme if she'd taken two or three months to write the lyrics, only she did it in two or three seconds. Just amazing, amazing what she did. And Norman had said to her, Ella, what does it matter? This is Germany. They don't speak English. They won't know what you're doing. You can sing anything. They'll recognize the tune. Well, Norman was wrong. They all spoke English yeah. and realized what she had done in front of them and gave her an ovation. You know, some of it's cut out of the record, mm -hmm. recorded version of, of the album. They had to cut the applause down to fit the music in. It goes on for minutes. Mm -hmm. And the energy the audience gave her was so... Uh, I, I say it, it must have been like having a hit of crystal meth. <laughs> and she took the energy and does a seven-and-a-half scat version of How High the mm -hmm. Moon. She doesn't ask you how high the moon is. She shows you. Yeah. Those two cuts back-to-back... Mac the Knife, How High the Moon, I think are the best examples of jazz singing. 
that's ever been recorded or will be recorded. And Ella won two Grammys for that. So forever after, Matt Van Eyf and I, the Moon were about as associated with her as it's going to task it was. And I felt, you have to end the album with that, because after that, there's nothing else you can do. You can't do better than the best. That's why I ended the live album that way. Jeffrey Mark is the host of Jeffrey Mark Plays Ella, a brand new hour-long radio program featuring the music of Ella Fitzgerald. Jeffrey Mark Plays Ella premieres this weekend on MetroMediaRadio.net. You can hear it Saturday, February 13th at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Sunday, February 14th at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, plus a special encore presentation Wednesday, February 17th at 8 a.m. Eastern, 5 a.m. Pacific. For more information, metromediaradio.net, metromediaradio.net. Jeffrey Mark, also the author of Ella, a biography of the legendary Ella Fitzgerald that also features the two-disc accompanying CD set featuring rarely heard tracks of Ella Fitzgerald, all personally selected by Jeffrey Mark himself. Ella, a biography of the legendary Ella Fitzgerald, available Amazon.com, wherever books are sold online. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Got enough time to tell you that if you're a fan of Betty White, our friends at MPI Home Video are about to release all 39 episodes of Betty White's Pet Set. Betty White's Pet Set, the popular syndicated talk show from 1971 created by and starring Betty White that has not been seen in any form since its original broadcast in 1971. One of Betty White's all-time favorite projects, Betty White's Pet Set features Betty White in conversation with Burt Reynolds, Shirley Jones, Mary Tyler Moore, Barbara Eden, Rod Serling, Della Reese, Doris Day, James Stewart, Michael Landon, Carol Burnett, and other stars about their dogs, cats, horses, and other animal friends. Extra features on Betty White's Pet Set. The complete series includes a behind-the-scenes look at the making of Betty White's Pet Set, the documentaries Betty White Game Show Goddess and Betty White Queen of Television, a photo gallery, and a whole lot more. Betty White's Pet Set, the complete series, Betty White's Pet Set, the complete series, now available on DVD beginning Tuesday, February 23rd through MPI Home Video. A reminder that Seasons 1 and Seasons 2 of After Forever, as well as Riley's Unforgettable School Project, are available for viewing on demand on Amazon Prime. That'll do it for our program. This week, folks, Ed Robertson, Baffer, Tony Figueroa, Donna Allen, Phil Grace, and Greg Airbar. thank you so much for listening. Stay healthy, stay safe. We will talk to you next time on TV Confidential. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash 
TV Confidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.